Welcome beyond our focus. I'm Stefan, this is Amanda, and this is Let's Palaver About Lizard and the Glass. The fourth novel in the Dark Tower Saga by Stephen King. We are currently like almost half, kind of half? Holy... No, not quite half. I realize that. Well, like 40% away through the book. Uh, chapter 7, or part 2, chapter 7. I think the reason why we're losing so many leaves on our table as the year goes on is because I keep losing my leaves. <laughs> Lose your leaves. There's one down here. There's one over there on the book. <laughs> They're, they're okay. everywhere. You've I, shredded a few of them. Yeah, I've shredded. There's um, definitely shredded a few. No, I just, like last night, I had read the chapter, and then when I went to go close the book, I was like, I, I no, no idea where Leaf is. It's gone. I keep my Leaf pretty well. It just hangs out with us pretty well. So. You've changed Leaves. I don't know how many times. No, okay. never. Yes. Once. I would never. Uh-huh. kept this one since we started. The whole time. Every book. Same Leaf. Mm-hmm. Totally. I really believe you. Bring it on, Pinocchio. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll go back to the camera. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly yeah. see here in evidence A. So. Chapter 7. Chapter? Well, I, this is my notes for chapter 6. That was it. Yeah, yeah. So then chapter 7. A lot more notes, a lot more notes. So we are on the drop. Three weeks had passed since the dinner. I don't know why they keep doing this. We do three weeks, and then we have a one week, and I don't even know where it ends up. It ends up three weeks. I don't even know. So it's three it's weeks. She thinks about one week back, like one week after the dinner. So two weeks ago? <laughs> so yeah, two weeks. So it's three weeks ahead, two weeks back, and then... We go back because she's galloping she thinks back and then she finishes her gallop and then life happens <sighs> um let's see she is susan is riding her horse pylon back or onto the drop just no holds bar, trying to go as fast as she can, just running away from her own thoughts. And she's wearing her father's shirt, which seems to be a huge deal. Oh. <laughs> Is it ever? I didn't realize it's a very appropriate shirt for this chapter. Maybe. Why? Because there's a kiss between Bambi. Oh, okay. <laughs> and. There's a kiss between Bambi in this book? And whoever the, um,. I don't remember. Flower? Beginning? No. You know, I don't remember no. there being a female one in Bambi, but it's been so long since I've seen Bambi. No, because I think, no, Flower was the skunk. Because he didn't know what a skunk was, so he named it Flower. And then she's like, no. And then no. Thumper. Thumper! Yeah. And then Thumper was Thumper. Thumper, you couldn't, you know. Yeah, I don't remember there being a female one at all. But again, it's been a long time since I've seen Bambi, Bambi. too, which, you know, why is Bambi still a kid? But... What, what was it, Bambi 2? I, I don't know. Was there a Bambi 2? I want to say yes. I don't know what it was about, but... <laughs> very few. Very few Disney sequels that I actually remember. Like, my, my most memorable one is probably Aladdin. 
Yeah. Like Return of Jafar and uh, King of Thieves. Lion King 2. Vaguely. Vaguely remember. Never saw one and a half. I saw it once. And then I didn't see anything after that, I don't think. But I know that it has a sequel to a whole bunch of them. All three. Lady and the Tramp had two. Scamp's Adventure. Never saw any of that. Um, down 102 Dalmatians. I might have seen 102 Dalmatians. Little Mermaid 2. Nope. Pocahontas 2. Nope. Uh, Cinderella, I think, had a sequel. It's just, they were all, they were so obscure. Pocahontas 2 was actually her being in the mainlands. Like, yeah, I think I might, might have seen it once. Might have. Um. Uh. Welcome to All About Disney, where we discuss <laughs> Disney movies. Well, I will have seen The Lion King by now. And we both would have. It will happen this weekend. Right. Or last weekend. Last week. Oh, <laughs> a couple days. It was literally a couple days ago. Okay. For me, it was the Thursday before this Monday. Yeah. yeah. I don't see. You have to let me know how it is. Mixed things. Mixed. Yes. Anyway. Yeah, so anyways, maybe about the has... book. There's a t-shirt involved, I think. Uh. She is galloping, and she thinks back to a week after the diner. The dinner. The, not the diner. No, no, no. It, this is still... This means, no, this was this morning. This morning before she left. See, that whole week thing got me confused. Everything. The week thing has to do with Roland. Okay, so. She just thinks about this morning. She woke up, and as soon as she woke up, went downstairs, she notices Aunt Cord is already in a horrible mood. <laughs> She's wrapped up like an old crone. Just I hate this one. Crone, whatever you want Are to call Are you her. going out on that horse? Aunt Cord has said... Putting her bowl down and sitting in a shaft of early sun. Interesting way of saying that. Okay. I guess rays of early sun? A shaft of early sun. That's interesting. It was a bad location. One she never would have allowed herself to be caught in had Mr. Jonas been there. Well, she likes herself some Jonas. Uh, uh, Mr. Jonas. Blah, blah, blah. Get attention. The strong light made her face look like a carved mask. Sounds wonderful. There was a cold sore growing in the corner of her mouth. She always got these when she wasn't sleeping well. Aye, Susan said. You should eat more than that. Twalt keep ye till nine o' the o'clock, girl. God, the slang. I'll keep fine, Susan replied, eating the section of orange faster. She could see where she was tending. Yeah, I have trouble with the end. Blah, blah. Pretty much, why won't you eat oatmeal, then? And Susan looked at the oatmeal and was like, "It, yeah." I like oatmeal. I do too. I really like oatmeal. Big fan of oatmeal. But the way she made it sound like it was just like horror movies you see at like student lunches and stuff, where they just think, take a big thing of slop and just poop, and you're just like, mm. you know, I'm not hungry anymore. Her stomach clenched. It'll hold ye to lunch. If ye plan to ride so long, I suppose a fine young lady such as yourself can't be bothered with chores. They're done. And you know they're done, she did not add. I did them while you were sitting before your glass, poking at that sore in your mouth. 
Penis woman. Then the shirt business had begun. Before you go out, Susan, I want you to take off that rag you're wearing and put on one of the new riding blouses Thorne sent you week before last. It's the least you can do to show your... Anything her aunt might have said past that point would have been lost in anger even if Susan hadn't interrupted. She passed a hand down the sleeve of her shirt, loving its, loving its texture. It was almost velvety from so many washings. This rag belonged to my father. Aye, Pat, Aunt Forrest sniffed. It's too big for ye and worn out, and not proper in any case. When ye were young, it was mayhap all right to wear a man's button shirt. But now that ye ye have a woman's bust line. The riding blouses were on hangers in the corner. They had come four days ago, and Susan hadn't even dined to take them up to her room. There were three of them, one red, one green, one blue, all silk and undoubtedly worth a small fortune. She loathed their pretension, and the overblown, blushy, frilly look of them. Full sleeves to flutter artistically in the wind, great, fluffy, foolish collars, and, of course, the low-scooped fronts, which were probably all Thorne would see if she appeared before him dressed in one, as she wouldn't if she could possibly help it. My woman's bust line, as you call it, is of no interest to me and can't possibly be of any interest to anyone else when I'm not riding, she said. Susan said, perhaps, perhaps not. If one of the baronies drovers should see you, even Rennie, he's out all the... He's out that way all the time, as you well know. It wouldn't hurt for him to mention to Hart that he saw you're wearing one of the camisas that he so kindly gave to you. Now, would it? Why do you have to be such a stiffkins girl? Why always so unwilling, so unfair? What does it matter to ye one way to whatever to other? <laughs> Susan had asked. Ye have the money, don't ye, and ye'll have more yet after that night. <laughs> After that particular night. I'm sure Reimer would totally be like, yeah, I saw uh, I, I saw Susan out riding. Oh, she was totally wearing that blouse you bought her. Well, Reimer, I can't see. I don't know who Rennie is. Oh, Rennie, whoever it was. No, that's not the first thing you're going to mention. By the way, she was dressed in one of those frilly things you got her. I'm sure that, that's how it would have gone. Aunt Cord, her face white and shocked and furious, had leaned across the table and slapped her. How dare thee use that word in my house, ye malhablada? Yeah, I looked at the word too, I was like, I can't even possibly guess what that means. It's some <laughs> slang backwoods word of something, I don't know, it's weird. <laughs> How dare ye? That was when her tears began to flow at hearing her call at her house. It was my father's house, his and mine. Ye were all on your own with no real place to go except perhaps the quarters. And he took ye in. He took ye in, aunt. The last two orange sections were still in her hand. She threw them into her aunt's face, then pushed herself back from the table so violently that her chair tottered, tipped, and spilled her to the floor. Her aunt's shadow fell over her. Susan crawled frantically out of it, her hair hanging, her slapped cheek throbbing, her eyes burning with tears, her throat swelled and hot. At last she found her feet. Ye ungrateful girl, her aunt said. Her voice was soft and so full of venom it was almost caressing. 
after all I have done for thee, and all Hart Thorin has done for thee, why, the very nag he mean to ride this morning was Hart's gift of respect to... Pylon was ours, she shrieked, almost maddened with fury at this deliberate blurring of the truth. All of them were. The horses, the land, they were ours. Lower thy voice, Aunt Claude said. Susan took a deep breath and tried to find some control. She swept her hair back from her face, revealing the red print of Aunt Cord's hand on her cheek. Cordelia flinched a little at the sight of it. Hey, Cordelia. Woman. <laughs> She's horrible. My father never would have allowed this, Susan said. He never would have allowed me to go as Hart Thorne's gilly. Whatever he might have felt about Hart as the mayor, or as his patrono, he never would have allowed this, and ye know it. Thee knows it. Oh, Hort rolled her eyes and twirled a finger around her ear as if Susan had gone mad. Thee agreed. It myself, Miss Oh So Young and Pretty. Aye, so ye did. And if you're girlish, girlish, I can't read anymore. Uh, Makrooms? Sure. Now cause ye to want to cry off what's been done. Aye, Susan Gray, I agreed to the bargain, so I did. After ye'd dunned me about it day and night, after ye come to me in tears. I never did, Cordelia cried, stung. Have ye forgotten so quick, aunt? Ye, I... I'm getting my slang words messed up here. Uh, I, I suppose as by tonight you've forgotten you slapped me at breakfast. Well, I haven't forgotten thee cried. All right, cried. Uh, all right. Cried and told me he feared we might be turned off the land since we had no more legal right to it. That we'd be on the road. Three wept and said. The wept and said. Oh my god. Stop, call, stop calling me that, our court shepherd. Nothing on earth is maddening. Mend her more. Having thee and thou turned back at her. Yeah, these these and thou and aunts and aunts and all. Oh my sweet. Ugh. Or we look up this time. The Mahavada. Oh, that is a foul-mouthed person. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is it? It's Spanish. It, so why are you speaking Spanish? So we got a lot of Spanish words going on in this. We have camisas. We have maha, maha uh, whatever I just Mahablada. said. Mahablada. 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 And then of course we have Patrono. Patronus. Yeah. Patronus. Not quite. <laughs> but yes, so we have a very heated discussion between the two. Slight, uh, just a little. And uh, it says, Is it the money ye want then, Aunt Court asked, smiling furiously. Do ye and do ye and I, that made no sense to me, but ye shall have it then. Take it. Keep it, lose it, feed it to the swine. I care not. 
She turned to her purse, which hung on the post by the stove. She began to fumble in it, but her motions quickly lost speed and conviction. Mm -hmm. There was an oval of mirror mounted to the left of the kitchen doorway, and in it Susan caught sight of her aunt's face. What she saw there, a mixture of hatred, dismay, and greed, made her heart sink. Never mind, aunt. I see these loath to give it up, and I wouldn't have it anyway. It's Cora's money. Aunt Cora turned back to her, face shocked. Her purse conveniently forgotten. Mm -hmm. Tis not whoring, ye stupid git. Mm -hmm. Why, some of the greatest women in history have been gillies, and some of the greatest men have been born of gillies. Tis not whoring. <sighs> Susan ripped the red silk blouse from where it hung and held it up. The shirt molded itself to her breast as it had been longing to touch them. Then why does he send me these whore's clothes? Susan, tears stood in Aunt Cord's eyes. Susan flung the shirt at her as she had orange slices. It landed on her shoes. Pick it up and put it on yourself, if you fancy. You spread your legs for him, if you fancy. She turned and hurled herself at the door. Her aunt's half-hysterical shriek had followed her. Don't thee go off thinking foolish thoughts, Susan. Foolish thoughts lead to foolish deeds, and it's too late for either. These agreed. She knew that, and however fast she rode pylon along the drop, she could not outrace her knowing. She had agreed, and no matter how horrified Pat Delgado might have been at the fix she had gotten herself into, he would have seen one thing clear. She had made a promise, and promises must be kept. Hell awaited those who would not do so. Ah, it's a promise. Maybe not. I think that's what he did. I think, I think you can go back on that. I promise to sleep with you and have a kid. You know what? Maybe I changed my mind. Yeah, yeah, maybe I changed my mind. It's still kind of boring. That's what it is. Bought and paid for. And Even though bought with your own stuff. Yeah. Basically, it. I robbed you, and I will give it back to you if you give me something. And it's like, when you really think about it, dude, it's like, it's weird because it's like, you're not, well, he is. He is. In, in all seriousness, he is. Um, I was about to say, you're not actually paying to sleep with her. You're actually paying for a child, which makes it ten times weirder. But You're buying a person. But he is thoroughly enjoying the beforehand yes, part. Yeah, so yeah, he's I mean, paying to sleep with her. Yeah. The shower is just something that's gonna happen afterwards. Uh, and then um I mean she's just yeah, she's just a gay shot. <laughs> oh. You ever see that movie? The Words of a Geisha? God, what a good movie. Mm -hmm. What a great movie. It's been ages. It has been a little while, but it's such a good movie. Will So yes, she goes. She's finally slowed down the horse, and she's just kind of eased on back, and now her mind is drifting back to Will. Yeah, Will do upon, she said, and shivered at the sound of his name on her lips, even though there was no one to hear it but Pylon and the bees. Birds so and the bees. Pylon and the bees, not the birds. There's no birds here. <laughs> Pythons and the bees. So she said it again. It says she growled her father's favorite cuss. Oh, oh bite, bite me? It. Oh, bite, bite it. it. What, a, what a horrible cuss. Oh, and God. And spat past her boot. Oh, bite it. Yeah. Lady, your language is a little off. Yeah. Archaic, but... Will, but... Yeah. Will Dearborn had been responsible for all too much upset in her life these last three weeks. Will Dearborn, with his unsettling blue eyes, his dark tumble of hair, 
and his stiff-necked judgmental attitude. I can be discreet, madam. As for propriety, propriety, I'm amazed you even know the word. Every time she thought of that, her blood sang with anger and shame, mostly anger. How dare he presume to make judgment? He who had grown up possessing every luxury. No doubt with no doubt with servants to tend his every whim, and so much gold that he likely didn't even need it. He would be given the thing he wanted free as a way of currying favor. That would What would a boy like that for that? was all he was, really, just a boy. Know about the hard choices she had made. For that matter, how could such as Will Dearborn of Hemfrey understand that she hadn't really been, uh, really made those choices at all, that she had been carried to them, in the way a mother cat carries a wayward kitten back to the next thing box by the scruff of the neck? Yeah, I think you think, uh, Will Dearborn here didn't, didn't come for quite such privileges. Yes, he kind of is the, the son of a king. If you want to kind of think of uh, Stephen Deschain as kind of... He's kind of a leader over there. As I say, he did sort of live in kind of like a manner... He lived in a good place. But being raised as a gunslinger? Whoo, buddy! Yeah, the, the crap you had to go through, the fact that you were literally beaten upside your head on most mm. cases and then in order to even do anything with your life or continue with your life you had to pass tests which if you didn't pass correctly you got sent out yeah, yeah. no he has had an easy life it's been rough trying to be a so yes now we do the time chain again so about a week so two weeks two weeks earlier about a week after the welcoming dinner and Dearborn's disastrous hurtful remark to her, I don't know what to call him. folks called him, had appeared at the house Susan and her aunts shared. In his hands, he held a large bouquet, mostly made of the wildflowers that grew out on the drop. You don't want to read the things about yeah. Shimi? But with a scattering of dusky wild roses as well. They looked like pink punctuation marks on the boy's face. There had been a wide, sunny grin as he swung the gate open, not waiting for an invitation. Good day, Susan Delgado, daughter of Pat. Look at you changing it like that. What? I just... What do you mean? It didn't say good day. Good day. Good day. Good day. I don't know. Good day. Good day. Good day. You never seen that? Good day? Good day. G-day. No. Good day, Susan Delgado, daughter of Pat, Shimi said cheerfully. I come to you on an errand and cry your pardon at any tribulation I be. Oh, I, for I am a problem for folks and know it same as them. These be for you. Here. He thrust them out and she saw a small folded envelope tucked amongst them. Susan, Aunt Cord's voice from around the side of the house and getting closer. Susan, did I hear the gate? No, not yet. Yes, Aunt, she called back. Curse the woman's sharp ears. Susan nimbly plucked the envelope from its place among the flocks and daisies. Into her dress pocket it went. They from my third best friend, Shimi said. I got three different friends now, this many. He held up two fingers, frowned, added two more, and then grinned splendidly. Arthur Heath, my best friend, 
Dick Stackworth, my second best friend, and my third best friend. Hush! Susan said in a low, fierce voice that made Shimi's smile fade. Not a word about your three friends. A funny little flush, almost like a pocket fever, raced across her skin. It seemed to run down her neck from her cheeks, then slip all the way to the, her feet. There had been a lot of talk in Hambury about Shimi's new friends during the past week. Mm -hmm. Talk about little else, it seemed. The stories she had heard were outlandish, but if they weren't true, why did the versions told by so many different witnesses sound so much alike? Then Korn swept around the corner. Shimi fell back a step. This woman oh. is frightening. She's terrifying. She looks like a. She has a friggin' mosquito net thing across her face. She's like the Crypt Keeper! Hmm. Shimi fell back a step at the sight of her. Puzzlement. Be oh. A sight. Ooh, where was it? Shimi fell at the sight of her. Puzzlement becoming outright dismay. Her aunt was allergic to bee stings and was presently sw swaddled from top of her straw. Fun words here. Brera. Brera? Um. Teach me your Spanish. <laughs> All I can think of is a sombrero, the feminine version maybe of sombrero, but I don't know why you would feminize a sombrero, so. I, I would know. say it's something like a sun hat. And faded garden dress. With me a particularly strong light and shade. Added a final touch. I don't care about her costume. She saw the bouquet and bore down on it. Shears raised. When she reached her knees, she slid the scissors into the loop of her belt. Almost reluctantly, it seemed with me to herself. I don't care about all this. Who sent those? I don't know, Aunt. Susan said much more calmly than she felt. This is the young man from the inn. Inn? And Court snorted. He doesn't seem to know who sent them, Susan cried on. If only she could get him out of here. He's, well, I suppose you'd say he's, he's a fool. Yes. I know that, Uncord. Cast a, cast Susan a brief, irritated look, then bent her attention on Shimi. Talk, talking with her gloved hand upon her knees, shouting directly into his face, she asked, Who sent these flowers, young man? <laughs> it's like in any mon movie or show ever, when someone says, This person is deaf, this person is blind, this person is old, this person is just she slow not or disabled. <laughs> In any way, suddenly they're yelling at the person. He's like, I'm especially blind when they're like, Can you tell me where you can? I'm, I'm blind, I'm not deaf. I'm like, Oh, okay, my bad. Sit on my eyes. I can, I'm still perfectly capable of doing everything here. I can hear you perfectly fine. Was it perhaps someone from Seafront, from Mayor Thorns? Tell me, and I'll give you a penny. Susan's heart sank. Sure he would tell. He now have the wit to understand he'd be getting her into trouble. Will, too, likely. But Shimi only shook his head. Don't remember. I guess an empty head sigh, so I do. Stanley says, I a bugwit. Uh, his grin shone out again. 
a splendid thing full of white, even teeth. Aunt Cordelia answered with a grimace. Oh, foo. Be gone, then. Straight back to town, you. Don't be hanging around hoping for a goose feather. For a boy who can't remember deserves not so much as a penny. And don't you come back here again, no matter who wants you to carry flowers for the young sigh. Do you hear me? Shimi had nodded energetically. Then, sigh? Ancre gra nope, nope, nope. Glowed at him. Glowed at him. Glowered. 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 She glowed. Why can't we just glared? Glared? Why can't we say glared? Why can't we say glowered? No one else tries to growled and then glowed. And I'm like, I don't know what is this word? Glowered? Glowered? I lost where I'm at. Why are you all wrapped up in cobwebby, Sai? Get out of here, you eat and cold. She's in her bee suit over here. Shimi yeah. jumped back from her in alarm when she was sure he was headed back to downtown High Street toward town. Head back down the High Street toward town. And had no intention of returning to their gate and hanging about in hopes of a tip. Aunt Cord turned to Susan. Get those in some water before they wilt, Miss Oh, so young and pretty. And don't go moony about wondering who your secret admirer might be. Then Aunt Cord had smiled, a real smile. What hurt Susan the most, confused her the most, was that her aunt was no cradle story ogre, no witch like Rhea the Coos. There is no monster here, only a maiden lady with some few special pretensions, a love of gold and silver, and a fear of being turned out penniless into the world. For folks such as I, Susie Pie, she said, speaking with a terrible heavy kindness, tis best to stick to our housework and leave dreams to them as can afford them. I love Shimi, though. Well, Shimi's amazing. great. Every time I think of Shimi, I remember, or I, I'm reminded of, um, Duddits from Dreamcatcher. I don't think I've seen Dreamcatcher. Oh, okay. But... He's, he was pretty much, he's just like Shimi, but he has like a, he has a lunch box, box at Scooby-Doo on it, and he goes, I bet it's. And so that kind of becomes their, the group's little catchphrase is, I bet it's. Yeah, I've never seen this. Uh -huh. <laughs> I've got nothing on that. No. Dreamcatcher was really good, too. I like the book, too. But, anyways. Um, she had been sure the flowers were from Will, and she was right. His uh -huh. note was written in a hand which was clear and passing fair. Dear Susan Delgado, I spoke out of turn the other night, and I cry your pardon. May I see you and speak to you? It must be private. This is a matter of importance. If you will see me, get a message to the boy who brings this. He is safe. Will Dearborn. A matter of importance. Underlined. She felt a strong desire to know what was so important to him, and cautioned herself against doing anything foolish. Perhaps he was smitten with her, and if so, whose fault was that? Who had talked to him, ridden his horse, showed him her legs in a flashy carnival dismount? Who had put her hands on his shoulders and kissed him? Yes, she has given him every reason in the world to like her. Yet she had wanted to see him and knew in her deepest heart that she was ready to set her anger at him aside. But there was the promise she had made. The wretched promise. She couldn't sleep. Yep. Passes back and forth. Finally just gets up and writes a note. I may not see you. Twould not be proper. Twould not. Twould. Twould. 
What a solid word there. Twid you know, night. I think just for an entire week, I'm just going to talk like these guys, even with customers. Good luck to remember how to talk <laughs> like these people. <laughs> I'll practice it a couple times and then just, just. I me and e and u and twid and. Just uh. And blah 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 whatever all, that was. All the customers that come in, I'll just start talking like this to them. I think they're gonna think you're a lot like Shimi at that point. <laughs> uh, it's said. How many did you say you wanted? You wanted two? Two? You sure? Okay. Okay. I'll go get two. Hello, Susan Delgado from out there by the edge of town. He said companionably, "It's a good day. I wish you sigh." He bowed an, an amusing imitation of the inner Berenice bow favored by his three new friends. Smiling, she dropped him a bit of a curtsy. Wearing jeans, she had to pretend at the skirt-holding part. But women and mages got used to curtsying in pretend skirts. See my flower, sigh, he asked, and pointed toward the unpainted side of the rest. What she saw touched her deeply, a line of mixed blue and white silk flowers growing along the base of the building. They looked both brave and pathetic, flaring there in the faint morning breeze with the bald, turd-littered yard before them and the splintery public house behind them. Did you grow, though, Shimi? Aye, so I did, and Mr. Arthur Heath of Gilead has promised me yellow ones. I have never seen yellow silk flowers. No, we know, me neither, but Mr. Arthur Heath says that they have them in Gilead. He looked at Susan solemnly, the shovel held in his hands as a soldier would hold a gun or spear at Fort Arms. Mr. Arthur Heath saved my life. I'd do anything for him. Would you, Shimi? She asked, touched. Also, he has a lookout. It's a bird's head. And when he talks to it, tendy, pre tendy pretend. Do I laugh? Aye, fit to split. She looked around again to make sure no one was watching, save for the carved totems across the street, then removed her note, folded small from her jean pockets. Would you give this to Mr. Dearborn for me? He's also your friend, is he not? Will? Aye! He took the note and put it carefully into his own pocket. And tell no one. Shh! He had agreed and put a finger to his lips. His eyes had been amusingly round beneath the ridiculous pink lady straw he wore. Like when I brought you the flowers, Hushaboo. That's right, Hushaboo. Fare you well, Shimi. And you, Susan Delgado. He went back to his cleanup operations. And then a lot of thinking about Will. Yeah. A lot of thinking about Will. Like, uh, first kind of got freaked out because Reynolds just happened to be there and was like, please don't tell me something. Please don't tell me something. <laughs> like a lot, a lot of thinking. And then she finally decides she thought she needed to see Will Dearborn once more. If only to give her innate practicality a chance to reset itself. <laughs> she needed to see him at his right size, instead of the one in her mind that created, what her mind had created for him in her warm thoughts and warmer dreams. Once that was done, she could get on with her life and do what was needed. Perhaps that was why she had taken this path, the same one she'd written yesterday, and the day before yesterday, and the one before that. Uh, he rode this part of the drop that much she had heard in the lower market. She turned away from the drop, suddenly knowing he would be there, as if her thought had called him, or her ka. She saw only blue sky, 
and low ridgeline hills, incurvently like a line in a woman's thigh and hip. Waist as a line of blah, blah, where we got it. She almost tasted a little blah. She started back to Pylon, meaning to return to the house and take care of the apology she reckoned she must make. The sooner she did it, the sooner it would be done. She reached for her left strip, which was twisted a little, and as she did, a rider came over the horizon, breaking against the sky at the place which looked to her like a woman's hip. He sat there, only a silhouette on horseback, but she knew who it was at once. Run, she told herself in a sudden panic. Mount and gallop. Get out of here, quickly, before something terrible happens, before it really is calm. Come like a wind to take you and all your plans of the sky and far away. So, yeah. So he they, he meets her, They he, he gets off his horse, and it says, They looked at each other in the drops big silence, Roland of Gilead and Susan of Magus, and in her heart she felt the wind begin to blow. She feared it and welcomed it in equal measure. I still love how, like, everyone ends up having, like, a broken name. Like, hers is oh so young and pretty. Now his is will be damned to you, Dearborn. <laughs> She's very unhappy with Will. At least for a few women, anyway. <laughs> Things change very quickly here. Good morning, good morning, Susan, he said. I'm glad to see you again. She said nothing, waiting and watching. Could he hear her heart beating as clearly as she could? Of course not. That was so much romantic twaddle. Yet it still seemed to her that everything within a 50-yard radius she would be able to hear the thumping. Will took a step forward. She took a step back, looking at him mistrustfully. He lowered his head for a moment, then looked up again, his lips set. I cry your pardon, he said. Do you? Her voice was cool. What I said that night was unwarranted. At that, she felt a spark of real anger. I care not that it was unwarranted. I care that it was unfair, that it hurt me. A tear overbrimmed her left eye and slipped down her cheek. She wasn't all cried out, after all, it seemed. She thought what she had said would perhaps shame him, but although faint color came to his cheeks, his eye remained firmly on hers. I fell in love with you, he said. That's why I said it. It happened even before you kissed me, I think. She laughed at that. But the simplicity with which he had spoken made her laughter sound false in her own ears. Tenny. Mr. Dearborn, Will, please. Mr. Dearborn! <laughs> Mr. Dearborn, she said patiently as a teacher working with adult students. The idea is ridiculous. On the basis of one single meeting, one single kiss, a sister's kiss? Now she was the one who was blushing, but she hurried on. Such things happen in stories, but in real life, I think not. But his eyes never left hers, and in them she saw some of Roland's truth, the deep romance of his nature buried like a fabulous streak of alien metal in the granite of his practicality. He accepted love as a fact rather than a flower, and it rendered her genial contempt powerless over both of them. I cry your pardon, he repeated. There was kind of a brute stubbornness in him. It exasperated her, amused her, and appalled her, all at the same time. I don't ask you to return my love. That's not why I spoke. You told me your affairs were complicated. Now his eyes did leave hers, and he looked off toward the drop. He even laughed a little. I called him a bit of a fool, didn't I? To your face. 
So who's the fool after all? She smiled, couldn't help it. He also said he'd heard he was fond of strong drink and berry girls. Roland hit his forehead with the heel of his hand. If his friend Arthur Heath had done that, she would have taken it, taken it as deliberate comic gesture, not with Will. She had an idea. He wasn't much for comedy. That's Roland. That's Roland. <laughs> Silence between them again, this time not so uncomfortable. If we were horses, all this would be much easier, she thought, and almost giggled. Mr. Dearborn, you understand that I have agreed to an arrangement? Aye, he smiled when she raised her eyebrows in surprise. It's not mockery, but the dialect. It just seeps in. Who told ye of my business? The mayor's sister. Coral. <laughs> yeah, the coral. coral. But she's not very nice lady either. No, but it's funny because she just said that, uh, and she supposed there were others who could have explained her situation even more crudely. Not many. Eldris Jonas, for one. Rayo Bacuse, for another. Holy I mean, Carl didn't explain it very nicely. I don't know if we could have explained it more unnicely. I don't think I want to know how Rayo would have done it. That old witch. I mean, she just said, oh yeah, that, that's the mayor's war. That's pretty yeah. much what Carl said. I mean, can we get more crude than that? So if you understand, and if you don't ask me to return your whatever it is you think you feel, why are we talking? What do you seek me out? I think it makes you passing uncomfortable. Yes, he said, and then as if stating a simple fact, it makes me uncomfortable, all right. I can barely look at you and keep my head. Then mayhap it'd be best not to look, not to speak, not to think. Her voice was both sharp and a little shaky. How could he have the courage to say such things, to state them straight out and starry-eyed like that? Why do you send me the bouquet and that note? Are you not aware of the trouble you kind of got me into? If ye knew my aunt, she's already spoken to me about ye. And if she knew about the note or saw us together out here? She looked around, verifying that they were still unobserved. They were, at least, the best she could tell. He reached out, touched her shoulder. She looked at him, and he pulled his fingers back, as if he put them on something hot. I said what I did so you'd understand, he said. That's all. I feel how I feel, and you're not responsible for that. <laughs> but I am, she thought. I kissed you. I think I'm more than a little responsible for how we both feel, Will. What I said while we were dancing, I regret with all my heart. Won't you give me your pardon? Aye, she said. And if he had taken her in his arms in that moment, she would have wept. <laughs> and then the horses. Then the horses. And then after they get formal greetings. Call me Susan, for the love of God. <laughs> Only if you call me Will. Only if you call me Roland. Not that far. <laughs> not yet. He's, he's gonna trust her. He's not gonna trust her that much. It's a bit much. Are you for the affiliation? Okay. She looked at him flabbergasted. I love you. Are you for my people? Yeah, pretty much. It was the last question in the world she had expected. But he was looking at her seriously. I'd expect ye and your friends to count the cows and the guns and the spears and the boats and the... You know, who knows what else, she thought. But I didn't think you would count the affiliation supporters. Ah! We want to know how many of you are. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Hmm. 
It's the old people themselves whole thing there. I know we have the friendly folk in my parts of the world still, do you? Yes, or blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, most of the ordinary day-to-day -day folk I've spoken to seem to feel the same, and yet you're Mayor, you're Mayor Thorne. Ah, he's not my Mayor Thorne, she said, more sharply than she had intended. And yet the Baroness Mayor Thorne has given us every help we could have asked for, and some we haven't. I have only to snap my fingers in Kimbry Rhymer Stand before me. Then don't snap them. We don't need you right here right now. This is a bad thing. We don't you need think you. I don't, I don't need, know if you're being literal. If you have some kind of voodoo magic thing going on, probably Bam. Just, just don't. Just don't do it. The townsfolk, the fisherfolk, the farmers, the cowboys, they all speak well of the affiliation. But disti distantly. Yet the mayor, his counselor, and the member of the Horsemen's Association, Lenny, and Garber, and that lot, you know them, she said shortly. Oh, I know them. They're absolutely enthusiastic in their support. Mention the affiliation to the Sheriff Avery, and he all but dances. In every ranch parlor, we've offered a drink. We're offered a drink from an eld. Commemorative, commemorative cup, it seems. A drink of what? She asked, a trifle rush, rush, rushly? Roguishly. Beer, ale, gaff, also wine, whiskey, and pity bone. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. is. He, he said, not responding to her smile. It's almost as if they wish to break our vow. Does that strike you as strange? I, a little, or just as ham, hambry hospitality. And these part, when someone, especially a young man, says he's taken the pledge, folk tend to think him coy, not serious. And this joyful support of the affiliation, affiliation among the movers and shakers, how does that strike you? Queer. And it did. Pat Delgado's work had brought him in almost daily connection with these land movers, land movers, landowners, and horse breeders. And so she, who had tagged after her dad, any time he had let her, had seen plenty of them. She thought of them a cold bunch, by by and large. She couldn't imagine John Corden or Jake White waving an Arthur Eld Steen or sentimental toast, especially not in the middle of the day. When there was stock to be run and sold, Will's eyes... Oh, we got Billy Bumbles over here. Perhaps not, but do Billy Bumbles learn to speak backwards? You know what? I know one that might, okay? <laughs> okay, it says... Feels interesting yeah. here. I suppose not. No more than cats change their spots, as we say. And Mayor Thorne doesn't speak of such as us, me and my friends, to you when you two are alone? Or is that a question beyond what I have a right to ask? I suppose it is. I care not about that. I understand little of propriety, as some have been good enough to point out. Huh. But she didn't care as much for his downcast look and flush of embarrassment as she expected. She knew who liked. She knew girls who liked to tease and as flirt, as well as flirt, and to tease hard some of them. But it seemed she had no taste for it. I'm not alone with him in any case. And then, of course, she thinks back to his cold groping session that he had. Mm -hmm. 
In any case, Will, Hart's opinion of you and your friends can hardly concern you, can it? You have a job to do, that's all. If he helps you, why not just accept and be grateful? Because uh. something's wrong here, he said, and the serious, almost somber quality of his voice frightened her a little. Wrong? With the mayor? With the horsemen's association? What are you talking about? He looked at her steadily, then seemed to decide something. I'm going to trust you, Susan. I'm not sure I want thy trust any more than I want thy love, she said. He nodded. And yet, to do the job I was sent to do, I have to trust someone. Can you understand that? She looked into his eyes and then nodded. He stepped next to her, so close she fancied she could feel the warmth off his skin. Look down there. Tell me what you see. The drop, same as always, and as beautiful. This has always been my favorite place in all the world. Aye, it's beautiful, all right. What else do you see? Horses, of course. She smiled to show this was a joke, but he didn't smile back. Fair to look at and courageous if the stories they were already telling about the town were true. Quick in both thought and movement, too. Really not much sense of humor, though. Well, there were worse failings. Oh, well, this, this does not get any better for all time. Horses, yes. But does it look like the right number of them? You've been seeing horses on the drop all your life, and surely no one who's not in the Horseman Association is better qualified to say. And you don't trust them? They've given us everything we've asked for, and they're as friendly as dogs under the dinner table, but no, I don't think so. Yet you'd trust me. He looked at her steadily with his beautiful and frightening eyes, a darker blue than they would be later on, not yet faded out by the suns of ten thousand drifting days. I have to trust someone. She looked down, almost as though he had rebuked her. He reached out, put gentle fingers beneath her chin, and tipped her face up again. Does it seem the right number? Think carefully. But now that he'd brought it to her attention, she hardly needed to think about it at all. She had been aware of the change for some time, she supposed, but it had been gradual, easy to overlook. No, she said at last, it's not right. Too few or too many? Which? Too many. Far too many. Will Dearborn raised his clenched fist to shoulder height and gave him a single hard shake. His blue eyes blazed like the sparklights of which her granddad had told her. I knew it, he said. I knew it. I can only think of the meme. Like a little baby going, mm. <laughs> I knew it. They can't fool me. I knew it the whole time. How many horses are down there, he asked. Below us or on the whole drum? Just below us. She looked carefully. Uh, making no attempt to actually count. That didn't work. It only confused you. She saw four good-sized groups, about 20 horses in each, moving along the green, almost exactly as birds moved along the blue above them. There were perhaps nine smaller groups, ranging from octets to quartets. Several pairs. They reminded her of lovers. But everything did today, it seems. <laughs> of course. A few galloping loners, young stallions mostly. 160? he asked in a low, almost hesitant voice. She looked at him in surprise. Aye. 160 the number I had in mind. To a pen. And how much of the drop were we looking at? A quarter? A third? Much less. She tilted him a, a little smile. As I think thee knows, a sixth of the total open gaze, perhaps. 
If there are 160 horses free gazing on each sixth, that comes to, she waited, blah, 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 900. How many more are stabled or training or working, do you reckon? He asked. One for every three down there, I guess. So, we'd be talking 1,200 head of horses. All thread stock, no muties. She looked at him with faint surprise. Aye, there's almost no muties stock here in Magus. In any of the outer baronies, for that matter. You true, uh, you true breed more than three out of every five? We breed them all. Of course, every now and then we get a freak that has to be put down, but not one freak out of every five live births? One out of five... How many ring free do you have? Extra legs, blah, blah, blah. Her shocked look... <laughs> Skip this. Skip it all. Her shocked look. With enough answer. Who's been telling ye such? Rainfree. He also told me that there would be about 570 head of threaded stock in Magus. That's just... She gave him a bewildered little laugh. Just crazy! If my dad were here... But he's not, Roland said. In a tone as dry as a snapping twig. He's dead. And that... Part of Roland never goes away. No, no, no. Very blunt. Very Eddie blunt. knows it. Yeah. 100% knows it. Susanna definitely knows it, too. Jake definitely knows it. All of them. Every single one. It's just straight straight to the point. Does not care how it sounds. Does not care there's a story behind it. Does not care anything. We ain't got time for you that. Say, we ain't got time for that. For a moment, she seemed not to register the change in his tone. Then, as if the eclipse had begun to happen somewhere inside her head, her entire aspect darkened. My dad had an accident. Do you understand that, Will Dearborn? An accident. It was terribly sad, but that sort of thing happened sometimes. A horse rolled on him. Ocean foam. What a weird... Is that the horse's name? Yes. Ocean foam? When I first read it, I thought it was like, this happened by the ocean. That's what I thought. I was like, he got rolled over by a horse and then drowned. Drowned in the ocean, that's what it was. What a weird name. Maybe we're talking about... Cuthbert named his horse. Uh, uh, his name is like Booger or something like no, that. No, it's something with glue. Oh, yeah, horse glue. Or, uh, no, um. Was it something with glue? Uh huh! Was it a glue boy? It was glue boy. Like glue boy. Come on. Sea foam? That's not much better. No, ocean foam was a lot better than glue boy. No, 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 I disagree. And it says Fran says foam saw a snake in the grass. That's Lenny. Don't, don't, don't get Lenny's name wrong, okay? Huh? No, Fran says foam. Saw a snake in the grass. Lenny saw a snake in the grass. What the fucking thing? Fran Lenny. Don't get the, don't mess up Lenny's name. Don't, this is I Lenny. I read it exactly. His name is Lenny. Okay, the old name. It says Lenny. Fran. I don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah. And I yeah, just go over there. <laughs> Fran rode many miles with my father. They weren't great friends. They were of different classes for one thing, but they still rode together. I have a cap put away somewhere that Fran's first wife made for my christening. They rode the trail together. I can't believe Fran Lenny would lie about how my dad died, let alone that he had anything to do with it. Yet she looked doubtfully down at the running horses. So many. Too many. Her da would have seen, and her da would have wondered what she was wondering now. Whose brands were on the extras? It so happens Fran Lenny and my friend Stockworth had a discussion about horses. 
Over glasses of spring water, after beer had been offered and refused, they spoke of them much as I did with Renfrew at Mayor Thorne's welcoming dinner. When Richard asked Cy Lenny to estimate riding horses, he said perhaps four hundred. Insane. It would seem so. Did they not ken it that horses are out here where ye can see them? They know we've barely gotten started, and that we've begun with the fisher folk. We'll be a month yet, I'm sure they think, before we start to concern ourselves with the horse flesh hereabouts. And in the meantime, they have an attitude about us of, how shall I put it? Well, never mind how I put it. I'm not very good with words, but how my friend Arthur calls it, genial contempt. They leave the horses out in front of our eyes, I think, because they don't believe we'll know what we're looking at, or because they think we won't believe what we're seeing. I'm very glad I found you out here. Just so I could give you a more accurate horse count? Is that the only reason? But he will get around to counting the horses eventually, I mean. That must surely be on the affiliations when he needs. He gave her an odd look, as if she had missed something that should have been obvious. It made herself feel self-conscious. What? What is it? Perhaps they expect the extra horses to be gone by the time we get around to the side of the barony's business. Gone where? I don't know, but I don't like this. Susan, you will keep this just between the two of us, won't you? She nodded. She'd be insane to tell anyone he had been with she had been with Will Dearborn, unchaperoned except by Rusher and Pylon, out on the drop. It may all turn out to be nothing, but if it doesn't, knowing could be dangerous. Yep. And this is what happens. Oh, God. Okay. So, the first thing we find out is that Roland's getting all teary-eyed. He has officially gotten teary-eyed. Okay. Roland has hit his emotional boyhood. Um... She felt actually faint as his gaze fell upon her, and now the idea of Ka was almost too strong to deny. She tried to tell herself it was just the dim, that feeling of having lived a thing before. But it wasn't the dim. It was a sense of finding a road one had been searching for all along. There's something else I want to say. I don't like returning to where we started, but I must. No, she said faintly. That's closed, surely. I told you that I loved you and that I was jealous, he said. And for the first time, his voice had unanchored a little, wavering in his throat. She was alarmed to see that there were tears standing in his eyes. There was more. Something more. Will, I don't want to... She turned blindly for his horse. Her horse. He took her shoulder and turned her back. Blah, 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 blah. You miss your father, Susan. I, she whispered, with all of my heart. I miss my mother the same. He held her by both shoulders now, one eye overbrimmed, one tear drew a silver line down his cheek. Is she dead? No, but something happened about her. To her. Sh I, how can I talk about when I don't even know how to think about it? In a way, she did die for me. Will, that's terrible. The last time I saw her, she looked at me in a way that will haunt me to my grave. Shame and love and hope, all of them bound up together. Shame at what I'd seen and knew about her. Hope, maybe, that I understand and forgive. The night of the party, toward the end of the meal, Reimer said something funny. You all laughed. I don't like him. I think he's a schemer and a conniver. You all laughed, and I happened to look down toward the end of the table, toward Olive Thorne. And for a moment, only a moment, I thought she was my mother. 
The expression was the same, you see. The same one I saw on the morning when I opened the wrong door at the wrong time and it came and came upon my mother and her Stop it, she cried. Inside her everything was suddenly in motion. All the mooring lines and buckles and the clamp she'd been using to hold herself together seemed to melt at once. Stop it, just stop it. I can't listen to you talk about her. I'm so ashamed, she said. I'm so ashamed and so frightened and I'm sorry. I've forgotten my father's face and, and, and I'll never be able to find it again, she wanted to say, but she didn't have to say anything. He stopped her mouth with his kisses. And there we go. There we go. And that page and this page and most of this page is all that. So yes, they kissed so much that her lips started bleeding. Somebody bit somebody in the process here. Um... Says, no more, she said in a trembling voice, no more, please, if you really do love me, don't let me dishonor myself. I've made a promise, anything might come later, after that promise was fulfilled. I suppose if you still wanted me. I would wait forever, he said calmly, and do anything for you but stand away and watch you go with another man. Then if you love me, go away from me, please, Will. Another kiss, and then another lovely make-out session. I'd not hurt Olive Thorne for the world, she whispered in his ear. No more than I'd hurt thee, Will. I didn't understand, and now tis late, too late to be put right. But thank you for not taking what you could. And I'll remember you always, how it was to be kissed by you. It's the best thing that ever happened to me, I think. Like heaven and earth, all wrapped up together. I'll remember too. Stay away from me from now on, Will, please, and I'll stay away from you. He thought about it, if we can. We will, we must, Will, we must. <laughs> she rode away fast. Roland stood beside Rusher's stirrup, watching her go, and when she was out of sight over the horizon, still he watched. <laughs> yeah, stay away from each other. I dare you to even try. Oh, your picture's right there. Okay, my picture was, like, a while back. We got some nice naked people and a crab claw. Do you remember what the hell that was? Because I don't... Like, these are really abstract pictures still. Yes, but this one reminds me, looks like Zim in a barn. Yeah. Which is a lot later. A lot later. But I don't, I don't remember the whole crab claw. Yeah, I don't know why it was a crab claw. Maybe we'll figure it out. Or whatever. Lobster claw. I don't know. The claw. It's, it's a claw of some sort. It's so, yes. the claw. So the Sheriff Avery is talking with the Deputy Dave and George and all these people about the kids. It's the kids. The kids. And how they'd been down counting mm -hmm. fishnets. George said, if not for their them facing off Jonas's bullies the way they done, I think they was a pack of fools. Nor would they likely mind, Avery said. He looked at Dave, who was twirling his monocle. A nice monocle. All I can think of is the peanut. <laughs> Notice that? Avery wasn't sure what to make of that. He soothed it down between them and Thor's hard, boy, hard boys and had gotten both a commendation and a piece of gold from Reimer for his efforts. 
But still, what to make of them? The day they came in, he said to Dave, ye thought they were soft. How do you say now? How do you, how do you say now? Now Dave twirled his monocle a final time, then popped it in his eye, in his eye, and stared at the sheriff through it. Now I think they might have been a little harder than I thought, after all. Yes, indeed, Avery thought. But hard don't mean smart. Thank the gods, I thank the gods for that. I love how they became the little coffin hunters. Little coffin hunters. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're pretty smart. Other than Roland at the moment. A little too infatuated with something. Mm. Y'all just be happy Susan was in town. Because it's going to be really different if she wasn't here. <laughs> she ruins everything. Everything. <laughs> so they, we now go back, to, or we are now back at the Bar K bunkhouse. Elaine and Cuthbert are sitting outside. Both of them are tired. They smell like fish. They've been counting nets all day where, when Roland's been out doing his own thing. Kissing women. Says, uh, the wind gusted, and for a moment they could hear the low, grumbling, squealing sound of the thinny. I hate that sound, Elaine said. Cuthbert, unusually silent and introspective tonight, nodded and said only I. They were all saying that now, not to mention, so you do, and so I am, and so it is. Elaine suspected the three of them would have hambry on their tongues long after they had wiped its dust from their boots. Hmm. Um, there's pigeons. They have the pigeons. Carrier pigeons. But. Yes. Um, they'd been listening as they sat watching the sun go down, horse hoofs, rushers. Roland came around the corner, riding easy, and as he did, something happened that struck Elaine as oddly portentous. A kind of omen. There was a flurry, a flutter of wings, a dark shape in the air, and suddenly a bird was roosting on Roland's shoulder. He didn't jump, barely looked around. He rode up the hitching rail and sat there, holding out his hand. Hile, he said softly, and the pigeon stepped onto his palm. Bound to one of its legs was a capsule. Roland removed it, opened it, and took out a tiny strip of paper, which had been rolled tight. In his other hand, he held the pigeon out. Hile, Elaine said, holding out his own. The pigeon flew to it. It's a note from Gilead, where apparently good old poor Elaine... Not as good. Not reading. Can't read this code very well. Both Cuthbert and Roland much better at this. Yes. Oh. Unrolled the strip of paper the pigeon had delivered from Gilead. On it was a line of tiny geome geome geometric shapes. Yeah. That's yeah. It's a whole fancy thing all by itself. We have a square followed by two L's, a circle, an L, a moon. A backward C, a box with a line, a backward C, a moon, and I don't know, a blurry a sword slash, <laughs> a weird triangle, circle, followed by a square, square with a line, and then a backward seven, kind of. <laughs> That's what we got. That's the code. What does it say, Elaine? What does it say, Elaine asked. The code was simple enough, but he could not get it by heart to read it on sight as Roland and Bert had been able to, almost immediately. Elaine's talents, his ability to track his easy access to the touch, lay in other directions. 
Parsons moved east, Cuthbert read. Horses split, one big, one small. Do you see anything unusual? Mm-hmm. He looked at Roland, almost offended. Anything unusual? What does that mean? Roland shook his head. He didn't know. He doubted if the men who had sent the message, of whom his father was most surely one, did either. Elaine handed Cuthbert the strip and the pen. With one finger, Bert stroked the head of the softly cooing pigeon. It ruffled its wings as if already anxious to be off to the west. What shall I write? Cuthbert asked. The same? Roland nodded. But we have seen things that are unusual, mm -hmm. Elaine said. And we know things are wrong here. Mm -hmm. The horses and at the small ranch way south? I can't remember the name. Cuthbert could. The rocking H. Aye, the rocking H. There are oxen there. Oxen. My gods, I've never seen them except for picture books. Does anyone know you saw? I don't think so. So there were drovers about three, maybe four. Four, aye, Cuthbert said quietly. But they paid no attention to us. Even when we see things, they think we don't. And that's the way it must stay. Roland's eyes swept them. But there was a kind of absence in his face, as if his thoughts were far away. Mm -hmm. He turned to lurk, look toward the sunset, and Elaine saw something on the collar of his shirt. Mm -hmm. He plucked it, a move made so quickly and nimbly that not even Roland felt it. Bert couldn't have done that, Elaine thought with some pride. Mm -hmm. Aye, but... Same message, Roland said. Patience, Mr. Richard Stockworth and Mr. Har Arthur Heath. We know certain things, and we believe certain other things. But would John Farson come all this way simply to resupply horses? I don't think so. I'm not sure horses are valuable. Oh, I'm not sure. Horses are valuable, I. Oops. Two very different ways you say that sentence. <laughs> so they are, but I'm not sure, so we wait. All right, all right, same message. Mm. Message received. We are fine. Nothing to report at this time. Mm -hmm. uh, Roland? Hmm. Oh, it says, The dreamy expression was still on his face. Elaine found himself wondering if Roland had made the right decision this evening. He had never in his life had such a thought, nor expected to have one. Roland? Hmm? Like a man half-awakened from some deep sleep? I'll unsaddle him if you want, he nodded at Rusher, and rub him down. No answer for a long time. Elaine was about to ask again when Roland said, No, I'll do it in a minute or two, and went back to looking at the sunset. <laughs> Elaine climbed the porch steps and sat down in his rocker. Bert had resumed his place on the box seat. They were behind Roland now, and Cuthbert looked at Elaine with his eyebrows raised. He pointed to Roland and then looked at Elaine again. Helene passed over what he had plucked from Roland's collar, although it was almost too fine to be seen in this light. Cuthbert's eyes were Gunslinger's eyes, and he took it easily, with no fumbling. It was a long strand of hair, the color of spun gold. He could see from Bert's face that Bert knew whose head it had come from. Since arriving in Hambury, they'd only met one girl with long blonde hair. The two boys' eyes met. In Bert's, Elaine saw dismay and laughter in equal measure. Cuthbert Allgood raised his forefinger to his temple and mimed pulling the trigger. Elaine nodded. Sitting on the steps with his eyes, with his back to them, Roland looked toward the dying sunset with dreaming eyes. Hmm. Sitting on the step with his eyes. Yeah, so, I, uh, you can sit on your eyes, it's fine. <laughs> it's all good. All right, well, that ends the seventh chapter. 
Moving on to the eighth eighth chapter, Beneath the Peddler's Moon. This one's much longer. It's about 42, 43 pages. What? Oh, maybe I skipped. I was like, whoa. Oh, I went too far. (laughs) I did. Well, I just did. I just went a little bit, and I just saw 10. Yeah. So I just assumed it kept going. Apparently, there's a middle in here. I Um, lied. Completely lied. 278. No it's 15 time. pages, if, not even, <laughs> not even, it's like 13 pages. You're like, it is 40 pages. Okay, well, it's not as long. We'll be going to chapter 9, called Sitgo. <sighs> Roland, get your head out of the clouds and your mouth off of Susan. I thought you were going to about to go on High School Musical, get your head in the game. <laughs> I haven't seen High School Musical. Okay. All I know it's is that guy from was from it. Yeah. That's all I know. And he was from it, yeah. Uh, that's all I got from there. Him and the other girl. I forget her name, though. She's the, the only two people I thought who came out of it worth anything, but she doesn't do anything anymore. I so, don't remember her. Zac Efron more than anything. Good old, beautiful, short little Zac Efron. <laughs> oh, I, I like Zac Efron. Yeah. He's pretty cool. I like what he does. He does, he does well with comedy and stuff. Yeah. He was. I, th- I liked him in Baywatch when he was there. Him and The Rock. I didn't watch. I haven't seen Baywatch. It's not like great, but it's amusing. I I liked it. I like uh, Neighbors. And then I don't like Neighbors. I don't like Neighbors, unfortunately. I didn't watch the second one though. And then of course Zac Efron was great, and The Great Showman. Yes. But The Great Showman was great. Um, or The Great Showman was really good. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack is phenomenal. Um, Seventeen again was actually really good too. Sounds familiar, but I don't remember what it is. Uh, it's just where he, as an, uh, pretty much as an adult, he w- wishes he could go back because he wants to redo his career because he chose family instead of like going into basketball or whatever it was. And so, kind of a, ends up switching back into Again, a younger body. Familiar, but I, don't, I, don't, I feel like I haven't seen And it. ends up going to the same school as his kids. Yeah. Of course, because why would you? But that will end today. Started out with movies, ended with movies. Hmm? Said started out with movies, ended with movies. Yeah, why not? Disney was brought up quite often, okay? I think High School Musical was Disney. It is. Yeah. I do know that much. In the jungle, the man to jungle. Circle. The lion sleeps in a circle. So, let us know what you thought of the chapter. If you read it, or if you just wanted to watch us and listen to us, we, we approve. We yeah, all, the, all the fancy romance stuff. If you like yeah. the video, throw a like on it, comment down below, because we always appreciate that. Subscription would be the most important thing. Throw a subscribe, say, hey, we like your stuff. We kind of sort of want to see more sometimes, every once in a while. We only, we, we want to see you guys, just not often. Not very often. <laughs> we'll go to you when we want to. Yeah. Why don't you pop it up in the description? Don't do that. <laughs> um, but, anything else? All right, as always, reach me at Stars Untraveled, reach Amanda at Casey Pop, reach the show at Beyond Our Focus, everywhere, including YouTube and podcast services around the globe. Maybe. Maybe. In the jungle. In the jungle. I hope. Well, that'd be interesting. In the jungle. Got to dial up. Oh, Probably. At the very least. Anyways, till next time, long days and pleasant days.